Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 all right if you have your bibles we're going to begin today in psalm chapter 13 it's going to kind of be a leapfrog for us but if you'd be so kind as to open your bibles to psalm chapter 13 this is traditionally ascribed to david as the authorship David was a man who had many trials in his life, although he was the king over all of Israel and ascended to basically the height of power amongst his people. He was actually pursued and and persecuted by both his father-in-law and also his son. So he spent many years on the run, many years hiding in caves, hiding out in the wilderness, trying to flee for his life, trying to preserve his life. And in the midst of these trying times, we have David authoring and penning many of the Psalms that we read today that we find comfort from. When he cries out to God in desperation in kind of the worst possible scenario that he could possibly be facing in life. And so all of us can identify with one of these psalms or another. Today we're going to be looking briefly at this Psalm 13. Psalm 13, we're just going to read the first two verses. Read with me there. David writes this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long? How long, Lord? How long will I have to endure this? How long will I have to suffer? How long will I have to be on the run? How long will my heart be broken? How long will I be sick? How long will I have to live in this fear and this cloud hanging over my head? How long, Lord? He says, will you forget me forever? Let that sink in just for a moment. Have you ever been in that place? Lord, I just feel like I'm so far from you. I feel like we're so separated. I feel like you've forgotten the promises that you've spoken to me. Where are you? How long, Lord, will you continue to forget me forever? This is what David's writing. The scripture calls David a man after God's own heart. But here he is, he's, he's struggling, he's wrestling. How long will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Again, the idea of God's face shining upon people is God's blessings, God's favor upon people. How long, he says, will you remove your blessings? How long will you keep your favor from me, God? He goes on, verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long am I going to have to be speaking to myself and trying to reassure myself with no one else? to speak truth into me without hearing your voice clearly? How long will I have to retreat into my own self, my own place, my own secret space, and try to encourage myself, how long, Lord? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And I have to be totally and completely honest with you because I look around the world today and this is the cry of my heart, how long, God? You look at what's happening in the news cycle, how long 
will you allow this to go on, Lord? And there's so much that has kind of taken the attention away of maybe some of the things that are the most important. And we're so caught up right now in politics, not that there's no place for it, but some of these things are like carrots that are dangled in front of our faces, this shiny, glimmering thing that distracts us from what really matters in the world, right? And I think, how long, God? How long will we be distracted as a church by politics and neglect what you want to do in the midst of your people? How long? How long will we sit idly by silently as human trafficking continues to happen? 40 million slaves throughout the world today. There's never been more slaves than there are right now today in the world. A third of those are children. The average age for young women entering into the sex uh, slavery trade is between 15 and 17 years old. Those who are manual labor, 20 years old. That's the average age. Here in America... Right here in America, it's an issue. This is happening right under our noses. And I think I take a step back and I say, how long, Lord? How long can you allow this? How long will this go on? How long will you allow us to be divided right down the middle? How long will you allow us to argue and politicize a disease where people are getting sick? How long will you allow it to happen? How long, Lord, will you allow this to continue going on the the, the same way at the same pace? It can't last forever, can it, Lord? How much longer will you allow the hatred and the bitterness and the racism and the riots in the streets? How long will you allow the people running to, to lead our country to hurl insults at one another, one after another, on national television in front of my children? How long will you allow this to go on, Lord? And this week, as I was considering this and even where my heart was at, the Lord reminded me that I'm asking the wrong question. I should not be asking the question, how long? And in our text, in 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning, if you'll turn there now with me, 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to see why that's the wrong question. Again, not that there's something wrong with asking it. It's okay if that's where you're at. If that's honestly where you're at, that's that's where I am. I'm honestly, Lord, how much longer? But really, it's not the most important question that I should be asking this morning. It's just not. If you recall last week, we looked at this text, the beginning of this text, 2 Peter chapter 3. And Peter says, I want to remind you. I want to stir you up. I want to stimulate you. I want to waken you up from your sleep. And I want to remind you that the the prophets predicted, the apostles predicted, Jesus himself predicted that there were going to come scoffers, mockers, who are going to cause you to question whether or not God is going to uphold his promise, the promise that he would come, that he would return. They're going to get you to question and to doubt that promise. And he's continuing this train of thought. At the end of that text last week, we looked and and, and Peter says, listen, they're going to cause you to question the promise of his coming. But remember this, that there's a judgment that's on the way. We pick it up in verse 8 of 2 Peter chapter 3. And now Peter says this, he says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. He's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all of these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to this promise, we are waiting for a new heavens 
in a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thank you, God, for this word through Peter. Today, look, we see this. He says, don't forget this. Yes, scoffers are going to come. Yes, they're going to cause you to question the promise of his coming. But don't forget this one fact, that with the Lord one day is, might as well be a thousand years, and a thousand years might as well be one day. See, there are certain things that we measure that we give fixed values to in our world and in our life, right? But they're often perceived relatively. Let me repeat that. There are certain things in this world that we ascribe fixed values to, but oftentimes they're perceived relatively. Now, let me explain what I mean. Let me kind of put this in perspective for you. If I were to walk around with a Rolex watch on, you'd be thinking, what is this guy doing wearing a Rolex watch? Obviously, he should not be able to afford a Rolex watch, right? That Rolex watch is expensive. I don't know how much they even go for, but let's say it's $10,000. And if I've got a $10,000 watch as a pastor, you're going to look at me and think that this guy, something's not right here. He's got something going on on the side or he's stealing or doing something because there's no way he should be able to afford a $10,000 watch. Do you all agree? I should not be able to afford a $10,000 watch. I will never in my life be able to own a Rolex watch, right? But if you see the rock walking around with a Rolex watch, you think, well, yeah, that's probably about right. You know that guy? He, he has enough money to purchase a $10,000 watch. The, the value of that watch is fixed, $10,000. But the expense of that, we perceive relatively. There's no way I can afford that watch is way more expensive for me than it would be for the watch, even though its value is fixed. Are you following me? To, to bring this to perspective as this relates to time with God, I'm going to first begin by using a measuring distance, right? My wife and I, we had to go to, to San, Diego, San Diego area yesterday for a funeral. And on the way up there, we went, you know, we got there pretty quickly. It went by very fast. Now, the, the days when we used to make it up to San Diego very quickly, they didn't used to be that fast, right? When we had a car full of children that were potty training and that were always constantly asking, are we there yet? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I got to go to the bathroom. That trip took a long time, right? But as the kids got older, it got easier and it got easier. The distance is still the same, but I'm perceiving it relatively. The distance is fixed but I'm perceiving that differently, all right? If I say, look, you've got to travel 100 miles and you're on foot, that's a long ways. If I say you've got a car, it maybe doesn't feel too bad. If I say I'm going to take you by plane, look, that's, you're there just like that, right? The distance is fixed, but we're perceiving it relatively. Now, to let this really sink in when it, when it relates to God, I have some statistics up here, some measurements up here that I want to share with you, all right? And if you have notes, you can take these down not that big of a deal, but if you're, you know, if this kind of stuff floats your boat like it does mine, then you might want to write it down. So we measure light, right, in light years. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Let that sink in just for a moment. 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast light travels. Light travels at 11 million miles per minute. Light travels at 670 million miles per hour, okay? You know, like, we're, we're going 70 miles per hour, and those of you who are being honest in here, you're really going 75 or maybe 80 miles an hour when you're going to San Diego, right? Light travels at 670 million miles per hour. In a day, light travels 16 billion miles per day. In a year, light travels 6 trillion miles per year. 
All right, now that's hard for us to fathom, but when we travel distance in space, we travel it in light years. The amount of time it takes for light to travel in one year. All right, now this is amazing, but scientists tell us that the observable universe, if we start right here on planet Earth and we use our biggest telescopes to look out into space in any direction, the furthest that we can see in the known universe is 46 46.5 billion light years. Okay, let's put that in perspective. If we start right here and we look in any direction in our known universe, that's 46.5 billion times 6 trillion miles per hour. That, that's how far the known universe is. It's massive, okay? That's just the radius. You double this number and it becomes 93 billion then. If you're looking at the diameter, the distance in any direction, obviously this is a two-dimensional object, it's not three-dimensional, because I cannot draw, right? But the diameter, the direction that we go in, in both directions from the earth, 93 billion light years, 93 billion times six trillion, that's how big the universe is. But this is what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 46, verses nine through 10. It says, remember the former things of old, Excuse me, wrong verse. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? A span is the distance between my pinky and my thumb. And what this scripture tells us is that God holds the known universe. He's marked out those distances between his pinky and his thumb. Right? Now, I'm not saying that, or suggesting that you take this literally, Right? Because that's just the known universe, and God exists outside of time and space. We're talking space. We're talking distance here. But just so you understand, listen, for, for us, 100 miles might seem like a long way. To fly on the other, uh, over to the other side of the world is a long distance. But to the Lord, he holds everything that we can observe in our universe in the span of his hand. It's nothing for him. See, what I want you to see today, beginning if you're taking notes, is that God our God is eternal. He exists outside of time and outside of space, and everything that we perceive is perceived relatively in comparison to how he would perceive that. He exists outside of the known universe. That long distance is nothing for him. He holds it, he created it, and it's in the, the span of his hand. Now, we, we relate this to time this morning, and Peter says that one day is as a thousand years for the Lord, and a thousand years as is one day, right? Again, we perceive these things relatively. How many of you have found out that the older you get, the faster time seems to go by, right? I mean, we it used to feel like we're waiting forever for Christmas to come around, and now as adults, as parents, we're like, man, I wish I could get a couple more paydays in before Christmas got here, right? It just sneaks up on you. That's the way it works. We perceive time relatively, but God is outside of time. He's outside of space. He looks down on it, and this is what the scripture says in, about God in, in, in relation to time. Isaiah chapter 46, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand. That's who God is. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The scripture des describes God as the ancient of days. Here, this, God's word says that God, he declares the end from the beginning, things that haven't even happened yet. He knows and he understands. I've heard it put like this before. Let's pretend we're watching a parade. You like the drawing of my parade? 
pretty nice drawing there, right? Now, here we are. We're watching right here in the parade. And all we see is we see the float in front of us. Maybe we see the band behind us. Maybe we see the float uh, you know, be, you know, right behind and before. We can only see what's in our sphere, in, in, our, in our vision, right? In our peripheral vision. That's all we can see. We only know what's happening right now, right in front of us. In our life, we have memories maybe of the past, but we can't see what's going to happen in the future. All we can see is what's happening right here in front of us. But the amazing, beautiful thing is that God has given us his word and he's given us prophecy so we can look ahead and understand what's coming and be prepared. The God who declares the end from the beginning has told us what happens at the end. Right now here, this is the way this has been explained to me. So here I am, I'm watching the float that's right in front of me, but God is not even concerned about, about what's happening just right in front of me because he has a view from above. He's like the Goodyear blimp that is taking the footage from high up in the sky, looking down and he can see the beginning of the parade and he can see the end of the parade and he sees everything in between because he exists outside of time. He existed before the beginning, and he will exist after the end of time as we know it. So he does not perceive time the way you, you and I perceive time. And so the scoffers say, where's the promise of his coming? Right? He's taking forever. He's taking his time. He promised you, and he's let you down. And now Peter says, listen, those scoffers, they just don't understand that with the day, or with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. This time that has been taken is nothing in the eyes of the Lord, right? Now, as this relates to the end times, I, I want you to see this because we have a few men, again, who are much more intelligent than I am, who have figured these things out, right? There's a man by the name of James Usher. He was a theologian in the 17th century, and he took the Bible and he calculated out the dates backwards he added up the years and he figured out the date of the creation of man was 4004 bc okay so that's the number he gave us he went back and said the creation of man if you take all of the dates that are added up in the genealogies in the scripture it happened at 4004 bc sir isaac newton did the same thing sir isaac newton the the, the uh, father of modern calculus the man who discovered gravity all right he he figured it at 4000 bc and there's another man by the name of johann kepler who uh, his book, The Laws of Planetary Motion, are still used today, uh, he figured it at uh, 3992 B.C., uh, roughly 4,000 years to the creation of man. Now, this is why this is important. It's because there's this cycle that you see in Scripture of these six days, seventh day of rest. Six and then a seventh rest. Six and then a seventh rest. When God created the world, he created in six days, and on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. Right? He tells man that uh, for six days, man, you're going to work. What are you going to do on the seventh day? You're going to, right? He says that you should till the ground and you should work the ground for six years. And what should you do for the ground on the seventh year? You should rest. There's this cycle in the scripture of six days of work and a seventh day of rest. Six years of work, a seventh year of rest. And so if the scriptures declare just right here that one day is as a thousand years for the Lord and a thousand years is as a day, then this is important to us because we know that from these genealogies, again, if these numbers are about right, 4,000 years B.C., okay, that means that that happened about 6,000 years ago, the creation of man. And I'm not trying to argue the, an old earth or new earth theory. I'm saying that when Adam 
came into existence, if you add up the ages, it takes you back to a roughly 4,000 B.C. So from Adam to Abraham in the scripture, there's roughly 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus, there's roughly 2,000 years. From the time, the time of Adam to Abraham, the time of Abraham to Jesus, the time of Jesus to today, again, roughly 2,000 years. So if this model holds up, this six days of rest and a seventh, or six days of work and a seventh day of rest model, if this model holds true and mankind has been around for 6,000 years, then we're at the end of our work and the 7,000th year, the 7,000th year of rest, we're on the doorsteps of it. The scripture tells us that the last thousand years of time is called the millennial reign of Christ, where Jesus comes and he physically dwells upon the earth and rules and reigns upon the earth. When the land, when the earth, when the work finally is given rest and things are made right. Last week we saw a prophecy given by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 about the generation not passing away, the generation that witnesses Israel becoming a nation again, that that generation won't pass away. I'm not going to tell you, and I cannot tell you when it will happen, but I can tell you that it's getting close. One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Look at what he says here, Peter, he carries on. He says, don't overlook this, don't forget this one fact, beloved, that the Lord, for the Lord one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as is one day. Again, God exists outside of time. He exists outside of space, distance. These things do not apply to him. He perceives it differently than you do, right? Not that much time has truly passed since his promise was given. He goes on, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Again, since Jesus was crucified and ascended to the right hand of the Father, if one day is a thousand years, he's only been gone two days. What happens on the third day? The resurrection happens on the third day. Right? So listen to this again. This is what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. For you have need of, of endurance. You need to endure. And maybe it's not the issue that God is taking his time or that God is slow. Maybe you need endurance. He goes on, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If you retreat, if you back up, if you take steps away from the Lord rather than pressing into the Lord, the scripture says that God's spirit has no delight in that. You need to endure. You need to press into the things of God, especially as you see the day approaching. You remember we saw that verse last week in Hebrews chapter 10 and, and kind of applying that to, to the need to meet as the church. And what did it say? Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the manner of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day is approaching. God is not slow. He has not forgotten you. Just a little while, and the coming one will come. He will not delay. He is not late. God is right on time. Trust me. This verse goes on. He says, he's not slow as some count slowness, right? He's not slow to fulfill that promise. Again, what promise is he referencing? He's referencing the promise that is given in John chapter 14. There Jesus says, and this is concerning his disciples, concerning those who he loved the most. He says, don't be troubled, don't be upset. I know this is scaring you because I'm telling you that I'm going to depart to the Father. But don't be upset because if I go 
to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you or take you with me when I come back. That's the promise it's referring to. And so here, Peter's saying, listen, he's not late. He's right on time. He is right on time. And I can tell you that if Jesus had returned 25 years ago, I would have been left behind. When he came to take his church back into the presence of God, I would have been left to go through trial and trouble and tribulation and suffering and wrath and heartache during those last seven years. But because God is so good, because he's right on time, because he isn't slow, I'm here today a part of God's kingdom. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977